0: Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host,
1: Mike Janung. Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. We're now two weeks into 2021. 2020 is 2 weeks in the headlights and around January 1st I saw a lot of posts on social media saying wow yay 2020 is over and and I'm kind of wondering if it's at least for the moment it's out of the frying pan and into the fire <laughs> and I want to talk about the story behind the story a little bit to begin this show. So COVID is the story it's in everybody's face every day and here in Arizona we're getting we've been getting thousands of new cases each day and you're seeing a lot of deaths and a lot of people getting sick and it's all over the world. So that that is a big deal. And a lot of people struggled to cope with it. There's the lockdowns and then there's the issues with can churches meet, not meet, and masks, wear masks, don't wear a mask, how I many can sit in a restaurant? All these things are connected with it and and indeed this is you know, this is a big issue. I mean, when you're getting when there is something out there that could get you sick enough to where you could die, yeah, that that's something to be concerned about. And that is the big story, but it's not—what I want to talk about a moment is the story behind the story and the things that have not changed. And to keep our focus on that we are a church at war. And people—I see people saying that I hope we can get back to normal. And I think what they're saying by that is, you know, I just want to have a life of peace again and not have to worry about a virus or masks, but— the issue here is, and the story behind the story, is that all of the fissures and all the cracks in the foundation have not changed and will be getting progressively worse, especially with the administration that's coming in and the things they've said they're, they're for and what they celebrate. And So when I say the story behind the story, the civil war in the U.S. has not ceased, that tear and that rip in the fabric of this country is just as powerful, if not even more, than it was a year ago when, or last year, last summer, when we saw burn buildings getting burned down. None of those issues have been resolved. They've just been kind of sidelined for a moment. But if you look in the news and you look at what people are arguing about and screaming about, right versus left, those divisions, that gap has grown wider, and you you see that with in politics. There's just no more sense of unity. There hasn't been in a long time. It's us against them. And a house divided itself against itself cannot stand. We have to keep this in mind. We also have part of the story behind the story is that porn and sexual sin are a massive corrupting problem in and out of the church, maybe even more in the church than out of it. We have to keep this in our headlights. If you want spiritual revival, if you want spiritual awakening, it ain't happening if you're not willing to take a hard look at your sin, set aside the outside world for a little bit, and say, God, show us our sh- show us our sin. Show us our brokenness. We have to you have to really keep honing in on that. There has to be more than the positive, encouraging messages. There has to be a challenge to live a life of holiness. And we also have to understand that the positive, encouraging mentality, the seeker-friendly mentality as it created a lukewarm church, that has not been dealt with. That has not been forcefully looked at and said, we have to, to look at all the hard issues in our churches and equip our people to be overcomers. The other story behind the story is that most churches today are still prayerless. When I mean by prayerless is that Jesus commanded us Jesus said that my church should be a house of prayer when he quoted um, that verse from from Isaiah we're not desperate enough yet when when I'm, when we're desperate what you will see will happen is that churches began to make 30 to 40% of the time in their church services spent in prayer with everyone on their knees everyone crying out to God, everyone asking for mercy, and then when we start to see churches where they put the maybe once a month, maybe once every two months, they put everyone on their knees for the entire service. That's what we need so desperately right now. All We've been preaching sermons till we're blue in the face for decades now, and it's not changing anything. <laughs> the power is in the prayer, and if you remember Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Pre- Preachers, he really went all out in prayer. He would have people in, in the basement of his church praying while he was speaking, and prayer is going to be the game, big, great game changer that's going to rock, rock the world and change everything. We have to get everybody on, on our knees in prayer. And we have to remember, like I mentioned, that we are a church of war. at war. The enemy has taken significant ground in this country. The occult is widespread and accepted. There are plenty of Christian believers who are watching movies and taking in other content that has a cult demonic background. Pornography is a demonic product. You have the porn industry, the multi billion dollar porn industry, that has not been shriveling up. Although there was one piece of good news last year where uh, the largest porn website in the world, Porn Hub, there was a news story that came out of all the the garbage, the the rape and the violent acts, and those some of the videos that they apparently had been not paying attention to, and it came out in the news. And so they said they deleted ten million videos, but they still have you know millions more. So when you got whatever two million videos up, you know they're still up there and they're still doing their thing. This is still a big stronghold in our country and in other countries all over the world. This stronghold is only to be taken down by prayer and by opening the issues up completely and openly. And the march to socialism has not slowed down. It may have slowed down a bit the last four years with Trump, but now it's going to start picking up again with the administration that is coming in. And when you've got a vice president who's openly a socialist and in favor of that. And by the way, she's also, from what I've read, come out in favor of legalized prostitution. So we're staring down the the barrel of a big drop into more depravity, which means more room for the enemy to maneuver and mess things up in our country, which means we have to stand up and we have to go to war and we have to realize that Going to church and getting a nice, pleasant, easy sermon isn't going to get this done, and we have to to open all this stuff up and talk about it clearly and openly. So I want to get into, for the rest of this show, what it looks like to live a life for eternity. And in the last four, five, six months, in my own time with the Lord in the morning, I've been asking Him, God, would you please prepare my heart for eternity. Would you please give me a heart that pleases you? Now, I'm not talking about, when I ask him for a heart that pleases him, I'm not talking about positional truth. I'm not talking about the truth where I'm justified with Christ because of his act on the cross. I understand that and I get that and where we're righteous in his eyes because of what Jesus has done in the cross. I'm talking about, I want a heart that, is pure. I just read this morning in the Beatitudes, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God." And, and that's the kind of heart that I want. I want to see God. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who weep. I want a soft, tender heart that pleases them, and I also want a heart of courage, because we're we're called to a life of courage. Be strong and courageous. Fear not. We're told that, and I believe it's in Deuteronomy. Nor be afraid of them, for Lord thy God, he it is who doth go with thee. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. I am your God. So we're also commanded to be bold warriors and fighters. So there's having a soft, tender heart, but also a pure heart and being a warrior at the same time. So I want to make my life however much time I have left, count for eternity. I want to go all the way with God. I want to put it all out there to the extent he wants me to. I'll be honest with you, the end of 2020, I was a little (laughs) wary. We did a Mm 30-day video series on uh, prayer, 30 days of prayer, Mm -hmm. and there was plenty of counseling and and other things going on, and Mm -hmm. So I was you know all that emotional output I was a little weary but I took a week off and so it's not that I'm, I don't want you to think I'm saying we need to go charge the hill for God and do it in our flesh and do what we want to do because we want to do something for God that's going to be a disaster and I've done that before The thing is to get our heart and our will and our life aligned with him and then say okay god what do you want to do with me and what desires and what gifts and have you calling have you put in my life so one step we have to look at in how we live a life or we have a heart that's living a life that counts for eternity is what do we do with the sin that we might be ensnared with and i want to read from you Read for you Matthew 5 starting at verse 27 for it's better that you lose one of your members and your whole body going to hell. These are tough words, and there may be some people that might say, ah, those verses are just for unbelievers. They're not they're not for Christians, because you know, once saved, always saved, and we're good, and we don't gotta worry about these things. But I have never heard of an unbeliever who came to me and said he first off looked in God's word. <laughs> And dug out this verse and and came to me in fear and trembling, and saying, "I'm going, you know, I'm going to go to hell if I don't deal with this." You cannot. There's no life in a dead corpse. So somebody who is an unbeliever and who has not been spiritually awakened and is not sensitive to sin and conviction, that you know, they're not there. So this warning in Scripture is for all of us, including those of us who are in the church. And there is a danger in our churches today because we don't talk with clarity and force on how devastating a little sin can be. And today, I'm, it's late morning, I'm recording this, this show, and before I came in here, I went to a coffee shop to get some coffee, And I notice as as I'm walking in, as I walk into the place, immediately there's a young woman, uh, maybe ten feet in front of me, and she's wearing yoga pants, and they are about as tight as they can draw them up. And she's wearing a shirt that's about the same thing. So basically, she's one wearing she's one big she's wearing a whole basically a pantyhose top and bottom. And i talked to plenty of men, Christian men, who want to live a life of purity. And I've heard the same thing. One guy said that to him yoga pants must have been developed by Satan. And another guy has said that for him yoga pants or even having to deal with a woman in yoga pants is even worse than if they were naked. Because when they're wearing yoga pants, first off, all the cracks and crevices if they wear those things tight enough, are gonna are exposed, and so immediately that triggers the sex drive and the flesh, and there, there's a battle that goes on for many men that I cannot look at this, I dare not look at this because if I sit there and let my eyes linger for long, it's gonna fire up lust and it's gonna get me in trouble, and I don't know for whatever reason, a lot of women, a lot of Christian women seem oblivious to this and i have been in church settings where there were two young women on the front of the stage and both are wearing yoga pants and both are dancing around and frolicking on the stage and i had to turn my eyes away if i wanted to worship god because i did not want to worship the wrong creation ladies this garment these clothing of yoga pants makes it difficult for a lot of men it's a sexual trigger it's a trigger for lesson. And I've heard some of women when I brought this up, I usually get two responses from women. One is, thank you for bringing this up because we need to have open talk about you know how people dress in the church. And the other one is, "Ah, hey, you're just a pervert. That's your problem. Don't look. And both sides have responsibility if you look in Scripture. I'm responsible for what I do with my eyes, as I read just now in Matthew 5. I have to turn away because there's, you know, there's stumbling blocks out there. I have to turn away. I'm responsible for that. But Christian women, as we're told in, I think it's First Peter three, dress with modesty. That you're be with modesty. Uh, that's not that's not yoga pants. At least not on public. Wear what you want in, ho- in your house, but in public, it it's a uh, it's creating issues for a lot of men. So both sides have responsibility and. We have to take a look at what do I need to do to cut off sin in my life. And I've gone to the lust angle because this is, this is an easy one that a lot of people have to deal with every single day. But you know, if you have bitterness in your life, that's dangerous because bitterness can go into hatred and then your heart can go dark and cold. So at some point, there's more than likely somebody you're going to have to forgive if that's you. Or maybe, maybe your struggle is with gluttony and you just let it eat your lunch for years and you've, and it's become a wedge between you and the Lord and and you feel miserable. And so now's the time to do something about that. Or maybe, you know, each and every one of us are infected with pride and we have to keep that ugly snake crucified and beheaded every day. And so I'm Again, the, as I mentioned many times before in the air, prayer is so critical to this. We have to stay on our knees. We have to stay before God and say, God, I know it's within inside of me. I know the lust that's inside of me. I know the pride that's inside of me. God, would you crucify it? Many times in the mornings before I launch out, I'll pray similar prayers like that. Lord, um <laughs> I know it's in me, and I know it's in me. We really like to look at the wrong things, and you see the the thoughts that sometimes flow through my head, God. I need you every day. I'm broken. I'm nothing without you, God. I need the filling of your Holy Spirit. So dealing with sin and facing it and keeping it crucified is maybe one of the beginning steps because the 1st we're... If we're Stuck in sin, it's going to be very hard to live a life that counts for eternity, and we're not. it's going to be very hard to hear from God in prayer. And I want to read Hebrews twelve one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so you may not grow weary or fainthearted. And in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. And shedding blood is another picture of how severe our response has to be against our own sin. And I also want to talk about to live a life that counts for eternity, we have to build our life around our priorities. So for me, as a Christian man, my first priority is I have to have a close, passionate relationship with the Lord that is born in prayer every day. I have to go after Him hard in prayer every day. He is the source of my strength. He is the source of my wisdom. I am nothing without Him. And so, we have to become God-seekers. I'm not talking about the seeker-friendly movement where it's just kind of a bunch of people who are wandering out there and don't know what they want. When I say a God-seeker, I mean somebody who's hungry after God and wants to go after him hard for the rest of his life. That's a God-seeker. and So seeking God hard, having a passionate prayer life, those are, those are big things that, content, that kindle his Holy Spirit's power inside of you, that put to death the flesh. And in Psalm 37, we're told, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And what God has taught me through the years is that He's put desires in my heart and gifting and calling that I don't always understand until He may open a door up and it's like, Oh, okay, (laughs) thank you, Lord, and let's go do this. And so a part of living a life that counts for eternity is, God, what do you want me to do? And there are a lot of people in the church today who are doing ministry from their flesh, and they're doing it for their own glory, and they're doing it to be seen, and they're doing it for distorted motives to be loved by others or looked up to by others, and God thankfully did a work on that in me 15 years ago and crushed a lot of that out with some suffering and... And we do need suffering for that reason and that's one reason why 2020 wasn't all that bad because suffering has a cleansing and a purifying and a purging effect. Uh, when you're when you're challenged with fear, when you're challenged to trust the Lord, um, that'll take you a lot farther into building up your faith than listening to a sermon in most cases. Because, I mean, if it's not tested, then how do you really know what your faith is like? And... God is so amazing and there's, you know, sometimes I think if God, if there is isn't a moment every once in a while when the Lord doesn't ask us to do something, just scares us to death, then I think we can just get too comfortable and the comfort zone is the, our enemy, it's not our friend. I want to live my life with a godly discontent, I want to live my life always hungry for him. I can't make an impact without him. I can't do anything without him. And that's the same for you. So we have to keep going after God and saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Some of you might have this un, um, a gift that hasn't been fully opened up yet. Some of you might be prayer warriors, but you haven't really dipped, you know, not dipped, thrown yourself into the swimming pool with extended prayer. So I want to challenge you, if you haven't spent an hour or two hours in prayer for a while, let's start making that a habit. I try and have two, three, four, day, four days a week, four mornings a week where I'm alone with God in prayer for an hour. Usually before I go to the office or in the weekends, I have more time, so I can, I can give more time to that. So let's. you always got to think of where my life is so short. I don't know how much time I have. Do not waste it. Make your life count for eternity. Go to God and say, here am I. Send me. Show me what you want me to do, Lord. Send me into the fight. Send me into the battle. Send me into where you want me to go. I want to have a heart that pleases you. Would you please show me what that looks like, Lord? And if there's some sin that's been owning you, then go to him and say, okay, God, show me what... I need to do to have this stronghold broken, to have this bondage broken, to be set free so I can live the life that you've given me. I want to be yours, God. I don't just want to play games. I just don't want to go to church to play Christian games. I don't you know, want to do things because that's what Christians are supposed to do. I want to be your fighter, your overcomer, and your warrior, Lord. So let's do this, and I look forward to seeing you next week.